You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, we're going to be giving you UFC Fight Night. Covington versus Woodley taking place tonight, Saturday, September 19th, live from the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, with a main event bout years in the making. Bad Blood personified, one of the biggest grudge matches in all of mixed martial arts. You have the former welterweight champion, Tyron, the chosen one, Woodley, coming back, trying to get his first win in his last two fights, going up against the former interim welterweight champion, coming off a defeat to the welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman, and that is Colby Chaos Covington. Former teammates, now bitter rivals, let's get this started and step into the ring. All right, guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Um, thank you for, for everybody who's listening to this podcast right now. We're back. It's been about two, it's been about three weeks since my last episode, but baby, I got that energy and I'm ready to kill this stuff. So let's go. Um, it, it's a lot, you know. I will have another episode up on WWE. I'll probably have my boy Vince on, you know, depending on when we can work out our schedules. That should be up very soon. And then aside from that, I should also have another episode up recapping the results of this card plus the Overeem versus Augusto Sakai, and then Michelle Watterson versus Angela Hill card. I'm going to wrap all those up, give you the results, my thoughts, my my feelings about the cards, and who should be next for the winners and who should be next for the losers. And then obviously I'll have a, a predictions up for Adesanya versus Paulo Costa, which is taking place next Saturday, and I know a lot of you guys can't wait for that. So definitely look out for that. Um, you know, a big, a big announcement in this last week, um, Michael Chandler. Um, Iron Iron Michael Chandler signs with the UFC, and he will be the backup fighter for the Habib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje lightweight title fight at UFC 254 on October 24th in Abu Dhabi. And a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't Tony get the call to be the backup fighter? Why didn't Dustin get the fight to call to be the backup fighter? It's because they both want to fight each other, man. You know, uh, Ferguson showed loyalty to Poirier by saying, you know, pay the man, pay him what he's worth, and let's make this fight. And then Poirier got offered to step in and fight Michael Chandler. He turned it down based on money. Um, I guess priced himself out or whatever. That's what Dana White said, priced himself out of it. But in the end, I think it's going to work out because we're going to get Ferguson versus Poirier. I 100% believe we're going to get that fight, and it's probably going to be a five-round main event of a fight night. So even though we lose it, for 254, we gain it with two more rounds attached to it. And wouldn't you rather have Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson in a five-round main event than a three-round fight on the as the co-main event of a pay-per-view? I'd rather have it be on a fight night. Yes, it's a huge fight, and it would have been a perfect co-main event for Poirier and or uh, for Gaethje and Nurmagomedov, but it's still a great fight, and I'd rather have five rounds. Those extra two rounds could make it's going to be a fight of the year candidate regardless. You know these guys are going to come out swinging. But those extra two rounds are just going to make the fight even more special. Now, will it go past the third round? Who knows? I don't know. But those extra two rounds, man, it's going to it's gonna really boost it up and um, make it special and a lot more special than it was. So, yes, we're losing it now, but we're going to gain it back in the, in the future. And I love that. I love everything about that. Um, Michael Chandler stepping in. It shows how highly Dana White thinks of him. I mean, former Bellator lightweight champion, you know, stepping in to the UFC. If Gaethje or Nurmagomedov get hurt, knock on wood, nothing happens because I need to see Justin Gaethje and Habib fight. Um, if the if he doesn't step in as the backup fighter, I think a good fight for Michael Chandler would be Paul Felder. I also think another good fight for him would be um, 
Charles Oliveira. I think Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler or Paul Felder versus Michael Chandler is a great first fight for him in the UFC, and it's a tough test. They always give the Bellator guys or guys from another promotion a big test in their first fight. You know, for Eddie Alvarez, it was um, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You know, for uh, Ben Askren, he got Robbie Lawler. You know, they, they never take guys from another organization and give them an easy in. You know, they always give them a tough fight. For Justin Gaethje, he got Michael Johnson. Then he got Eddie Alvarez. Then he got Dustin Poirier. You know, then he got... James Vick, then he got Donald Cerrone, then Tony Ferguson. So all these guys who come in from another promotion, they're never just give given an easy fight. They're given a tough fight. And if they're champions in a former organization and one of the best guys in the world and, and considered one of the best guys in the world from that organization, like a guy like Michael Chandler is with his you know phenomenal wrestling pedigree and his phenomenal hands, he's got really, really good boxing and good movement. Um, how well is he going to fare in the lightweight division in the UFC? I'm not sure, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things where we have to wait and see, but I've, I've been waiting for Chandler to move over to the UFC. I kind of wish Eddie Alvarez was still in the UFC. So maybe we could get another fight between Chandler and Eddie Alvarez. I mean, Chandler versus Gaethje is a great fight. Chandler versus Habib. I know Chandler has been talking a lot for years saying that he's going to be the one to dethrone Habib. If he's able to step in and, uh, try to prove that point against either Justin Gaethje or Habib Nurmagomedov at UFC 254 on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi, then good for him. Um, I hope that's not the case. Um, I'd rather have Chandler get another fight because I really want to see Gaethje and Habib, and I think everybody wants to see that fight. I think Gaethje is Habib's toughest matchup, his most dangerous fight, and one of the most well-rounded opponents he's ever fought in his career. So I'm excited to see it, especially with his wrestling and his defensive wrestling. Um, yeah, but let's get into the card for this weekend. Um, obviously, it's a fight night card on ESPN+, Plus, but a phenomenal card. I mean, from top to bottom, this main card, you could pay for it on pay-per-view. That's how good the, the card is. Um, you got Kevin Trailblazer Holland going up against Darren the Dentist Stort. You've got Mackenzie Dern versus Ronda Marcos. You've got a light heavyweight bout between top 15 ranked contenders Johnny Walker and Superman Ryan Spann. You've got a middleweight fight between Hamzat Chemaev, you know, the who's also has another fight booked after this to fight Damian Maya in uh in October on Fight Island. So it's a it's a shot it's a shot to the nuts of Gerald Mearshart because they're think they're kind of overlooking him double booking Hamzat Chemaev because they have such a you know a high outlook for him. However, this is a chance for Gerald Mearshart to shut up the naysayers like hey you're gonna you're gonna overlook me and give him another fight with a top 10 ranked guy, I'm going to show you what's up and I'm going to beat the shit out of him. And even if I lose, he's not going to be able to make that fight against Damian Maya. So this is a, this is a big, a big fight for Gerald Mearshart too, because he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's coming in here to prove something. And if you watch the press conference, you know, uh, Hamza Chemaev and his trash talk, I wasn't a fan of it. I mean, I get, he's trying to, I feel like he's trying a little bit too hard to be like another Khabib. And I know that, you know, that's how, that's how the Dagestani guys are in the UFC, and that's how, you know, they're very confident. Um, but but most of the time, they're very humble, and, you know, Habib is very humble, and uh, I don't believe that Hamzat is as as humble as Habib, and uh, I think he came off a little a little bit bad at that press conference with the trash talk. Um, I do believe he's going to probably beat Gerald Mearshart, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's not an easy fight. You know, Mearshart's been around the game. You've got eight fights for Chemaev. 
compared to 44 fights for Gerald Mearshart. So he's been around the game. And then in the co-main event, a phenomenal fight in the welterweight division. You've got the number 14 ranked Donald Cowboy Cerrone um, coming back after that controversial loss to Anthony Showtime Pettis at UFC 249. And then before that, the first round knockout to Conor McGregor. Um, this is a this is a fight that Donald Cerrone must win. Um, he's coming off four losses in a row, I believe. So you know, it's a big thing for him. He's got to win this fight. Um, and Nico Price is not an easy fight either. This this guy's, they call him the hybrid for a reason. He can finish you from anywhere. He doesn't back down. He has a lot of heart. He's going to come forward. He's going to try to knock you out and he's not going to quit. So these guys are going to come in and try to beat the absolute shit out of each other. And I'm here for every single shot that lands in this fight. And then uh, obviously the main event, you know, in the welterweight division, you've got the number two ranked Colby Chaos Covington. Holds a record of 15-2. and two. This is his first fight back after losing to Kamaru Usman at UFC 245 in a phenomenal fight, but uh, got his jaw broken and ended up getting TKO'd in the fifth round. So he's got something to prove trying to get another title shot. Um, and then Tyron Woodley coming, coming back after losing to... Um, Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns trying to prove that he is still one of the best welterweights in the world, that he still can make a run at the title. And these guys, like I said, they have they have bad blood. They've been at each other's throats for years. This fight should have happened, you know, two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I think it would have been much bigger. It's still a huge fight. This could definitely be a pay-per-view on a pay-per-view. And that and when we say that, you know, it's not a lot. Like these, this fight in this card could be on a pay-per-view. I would pay for this card. That's how good it is. I know there's not a title fight, but Covington versus Woodley is one of the most highly anticipated fights in all of mixed martial arts, and it's definitely the most highly anticipated fight in the welterweight division. If there was another fight at welterweight that I think people would be almost as excited for, it would be Jorge Masvidal and Leon Rocky Edwards. I think those two are the most highly anticipated fights at welterweight. I know we've got Diaz and Masvidal supposedly being booked for January of next year. But I think that Edwards versus Masvidal is the, was the right fight to make for both guys. And I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say that. Because I don't really see the Masvidal and Diaz fight playing out any different. Are we going to watch it? Yeah, of course. It's going to be good. But I think it just goes almost exactly the same as the first fight. And I think Masvidal finishes him quicker. I don't really see an avenue for Diaz to win that fight. He basically got dominated the entire time, and I don't really see a way that he's going to make adjustments to be able to beat Masvidal in a rematch. So, you know, I'm not as excited for the fight. I still want to see it, but I'm not that excited about it. All right, well, let's start with the uh, predictions. We'll start off on the main card, the first fight up in the middleweight division. You've got Kevin Trailblazer Holland, who holds a record of 18 wins and five defeats, going up against Darren the Dentist Stort, who holds a record of 12 wins, five losses, and one no contest. Um, Kevin Holland, man, he's looking real good in 2020. I believe he's coming off two back-to-back -back wins. Let's actually look that up really quick. Holland. Um, yeah, so he's coming off a win via this uh, third-round KO over Joaquin Buckley, where he looked phenomenal. Um, and then he's coming off a knockout of Anthony Hernandez in the first round in 39 seconds. And then prior to that, he lost to Brendan Allen via a second-round submission. But yeah, two back-to-back -back wins in the in the in 2020. I think they both were at the apex too for Kevin Holland. So Kevin Holland's a really really solid competitor. Um, very good with that karate style 
of fighting with that in and out movement, almost like a Wonder Boy type of style where he's on the where he's on like in a side stance and he's hopping in and out, in and out. Really, really good side kicks, front kicks, um, spinning back kicks, roundhouse kicks. His kicking game and his striking game all around is very, very sharp. He's dangerous from everywhere. Um, in the clinch. Um, in single collar clinch and double collar clinch, he's going to be looking for elbows. That's what he used to knock out Anthony Hernandez. He got a hold of him with that single collar clinch. Came over the top. Sorry, guys, I knocked the microphone out of my out of the position. He came over the top with the elbow and uh, you know stunned Anthony Hernandez. And then I think he kneed him to the body, dropped him, and finished him off. So if he comes over the top with those elbows, you know it, it's it could be a wrap for Darren Stort. Um, but when you look at a guy like Darren Stort, man, he he's just as good. He's got really good striking. Um, his his uh, punches are very, very clean. A good one-two, good movement. He keeps his hands pretty low and just kind of moves his shoulders around and uses a lot of head movement to get out of the way of shots. Um, good, really, really good takedown defense. And, you know, Kevin Trailblazer Holland is a very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist. Very, very solid. I believe he's a black belt under – let me look that up really quick. Who is he a black belt under? Um, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Travis Luter. So he, a second degree black belt or just a regular black belt, sorry, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Travis Luter. Um, Luter's one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists in the game and one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches. And it's not easy to get a black belt from him. So he's got good grappling. Um, you saw it against Tiago Santos. He went for a flying omoplata. Um, switched his hips to go for an arm bar and almost submitted Tiago Santos, but he got out of it. Um, Holland can be wild. And uh, I know Dana White, when he first came into the UFC, acted like he was just playing around a little too much and didn't really, you know, try to go for the finish and was just playing around. But as you see more and more, you know, he's been finishing fights. He's he's a dangerous guy wherever the fight takes place, uh, at boxing range, at kicking range, at clinch range, on the ground. He's dangerous everywhere. Um, but again, you can't count on a guy like Darren Stort. Really, really good movement on the feet, popping the jab, constantly moving. Very good one-two. That right hand is very, very good. He also has really good elbows up against the fence. If he gets you in an over-under clinch and pushes you up against the cage, he can um, exit and land elbows. He's actually got a finish via elbows when he got one of his opponents up against the cage. Um, their name escapes me. Um but he's got good submissions as well. Um, a really solid guillotine choke. If he gets a hold of your neck, he can jump guard and get that guillotine because he's very, very strong for that weight class, and he has a lot of power. He's a very stocky, wide guy, and he's got a lot of power in his hands. Who has the speed advantage? Um, in my opinion, it's Kevin Trailblazer Holland. I think his kicks are faster. I think his punches are faster. I think his movement's quicker all the way around, and I think the variety of Kevin, of Kevin Trailblazer Holland with the kicking game is going to be the problem against uh, a problem for Darren Stewart. Darren Stewart does like to kick. He will throw kicks here and there, but he's mainly a boxer. He likes to step in, try to land that jab. If he can keep you at range with his jab, then he can set up the right hand, set up the left hook, rip shots to the body, but he doesn't really use his kicking game very much. Um, really, really good takedown defense, though. Like I said, if Holland does look to get takedowns, um, Kevin or, uh, Darren Stewart has the ability to like limp leg out of single leg takedowns, um, get his hips back, constantly moving on the ground, shrimping his hips, finding ways. Does he get taken down? Yes. And if he gets Kevin Trailblazer Holland on his back or on top of him, it could be a problem. But I do believe that Darren Stewart's takedown defense and overall grappling on the ground can be 
um, is good enough to stifle a lot of the jujitsu and the submission attempts of Kevin Holland. But really, when it comes down to it, like I said, the kicking game, I think he's going to be able to keep Darren Stewart at range, land good kicks. I think if he gets into a clinch range, he's going to try to land those elbows, and his elbows are vicious. Both guys have good elbows, like I said. But I'm going to go with Kevin Holland to get the win here. Like I said, I just think he's the overall more well-rounded fighter wherever the fight takes place. And I think he can... Keep Darren Stewart at range as he tries to get into boxing range. He's going to keep poking and prodding at him with that jab, trying to land that right hand, moving, switching stances from southpaw to orthodox as he moves laterally. Just pop, 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 move, pop, 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 move. Um, and I think he's just going to piece him up a little bit. It's going to be a close fight. Either guy can win. But I'm going to go with Kevin Trailblazer Holland to get the win via a unanimous decision. Up next in the women's strawweight division, you've got the number 15-ranked Mackenzie Dern going up against former Ultimate fighter competitor, Ronda Marcos, who holds a record of 10 wins, 9 defeats, and 1 no contest. This is a good fight, too. You know, Ronda Marcos is uh, is kind of on the rise, but she's a little bit, you know, hot and cold in her UFC career. Like, she'll win one, she'll lose one. Um, she lost recently to Amanda Hivas via decision, and then she beat Ashley Yoder, lost to Claudia Gadelia, beat Angela Hill, which looks pretty good um, by submission. So she's got good grappling, um, good control on the ground, but against Mackenzie Dern, you cannot grapple. Um, on the feet, I do give the striking advantage to Randa Marcos, but I don't think either of these girls, Mackenzie Dern or Randa Marcos, are good strikers. I don't think they have great striking. I think Mackenzie Dern is a little bit more wild on the feet. I think that Ronda Marcos is a little bit more patient and a little cleaner with her shot selection. I think she kind of tries to... Uh, find her range and pop her. I think with Mackenzie Dern, she just kind of comes in, pop, 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 tries to land shots and eventually gets you into a grappling exchange. And when I, when I break down the fight, here's what I think. I think there's no way that Ronda Marcos can avoid the grappling of Mackenzie Dern. I think maybe Dern falls off balance. Ronda Marcos tries to jump on her. If Mackenzie Dern gets knocked down or knocked off balance, Ronda Marcos cannot jump in and try to play either the stacked guard game or jump into her full guard or try to grapple. If she tries to grapple with Mackenzie Dern, she's going to get submitted. Um, you saw her leg locks against um, Hannah Cyphers. I mean, she was on the ground. She found a way to roll onto her shoulder, onto her stomach, grab the leg, lock up the knee bar, extend it, and get the submission. Like, if she gets a hold of your leg, she can finish you. Her leg lock game is phenomenal. Her Brazilian jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. She's a multiple-time Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. And I just think that the grappling is going to be too much for Ronda Marcos. Now, can... Um, Ronda Marcos win this fight on the feet. If she keeps it at range, I think she can piece her up with the striking. Mackenzie Dern does get hit a lot. She does take a lot of shots on the feet. So if she, and I believe Amanda Hivas beat, um, Amanda Hivas beat Mackenzie Dern, and she also beat Ronda Marcos, but I think Marcos had a, a good showing against her. So, you know, who really knows what's going to happen? I mean, I think, to be honest, I, like I said, I just think the grappling of Mackenzie Dern is going to be too much. She's going to be too strong for her. She's going to try to land that hip toss where she gets where she kicks out the leg with the overhook on the one side and hip tosses her onto uh, onto the ground and then finds a way to get her back and get a submission or scramble on the ground, get a hold of the leg and lock up a leg lock. So I'm going to go with Mackenzie Dern. I just think, like I said, her jujitsu is too good. She's too too crispy on the ground, and I think that. Ronda Marcos is going to make a mistake and get submitted. So my pick for this fight is Mackenzie Dern to defeat Ronda Marcos via a 
I'm going to go with a first round submission. I think it's going to be a leg lock. I think she's going to lock her up like she did Hannah Cyphers and get the tap. All right, up next in the light heavyweight division, you've got the number 11 ranked Johnny Walker versus who holds a record of 17 wins and five losses going up against the number 12 ranked Superman Ryan Spann, who holds a record of 20 wins and five defeats. Um, this is a great fight. Um, really, really solid fight for both guys. I believe Ryan Spann is coming off a win in his last fight against Sam Elvey. Or you know what? No, I think he lost his last fight to Sam Elvey. Let me see. Okay, no, he did beat him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he beat him at UFC 249 in May. I remember that was a close fight, and Elvy came on hard in the last three in the last round, and it looked like maybe he was going to steal it, but he didn't. Um, he's got a win over Devin Clark via submission. I believe he locked him up with a guillotine choke. He's very good from that front headlock or uh, finding a way to get your neck and lock up a guillotine choke and just wrench and put all his strength into it. Um, and before that, a knockout win over. Um, Antonio Rogerio Noguera, where he landed that right hand, slipped over to his left and came up the middle to land that lead uppercut. Bop, slip, and rip up the middle. Um, kind of came in at an angle, so the it didn't come up. It didn't come up the middle. It came at an angle, but he slipped off the center line to land that shot and open up the avenue for that shot to land. Um, I think this is a great fight, and it's a must win for Johnny Walker. It's a must win. Johnny Walker is coming off two back-to-back -back defeats, one over Corey Anderson and one over Nikita Krylov. Let me see, Johnny Walker, last fight. Yeah, so he lost to Nikita Krylov via decision, just got out-grappled and out-wrestled and just controlled on the ground, beat Justin Ledette, beat Misha Serkinov, and then lost to Corey Anderson via first-round knockout at UFC 244. Um, I don't believe Johnny Walker can drop three fights in a row. After his last performance where he just got controlled and out-grinded by um, Misha Serkina, or Nikita Krylov with the grappling, um, constantly getting taken down, getting controlled up against the fence with um, in a half-guard position, landing shots. Whenever he would try to get up, he would just get controlled. He did have good takedown defense in the beginning, you know, good ability to uh, stuff his hips in, get the underhooks, you know, constantly get his hips back to not get taken down. But Nikita Krylov kept transitioning single, double, single, um, turn the corner, elevate, turn the corner, elevate, go one way, go another way, and eventually just out grappled him. Um, I don't expect either of these guys to initiate in grappling. I think this is going to be primarily a striking contest. Who is more dangerous on the feet? I think in terms of power, it's Ryan Spann. If he lands on you, he can put you to sleep. He's the cleaner, more patient striker. But Johnny Walker's more wild. He has more varied attacks. And if he comes forward, he's going to try to knock you out with flying knees, spinning back fists, jumping roundhouse kicks. He's going to just try to come at you and knock you out. And I think he's going to start this fight out. I think if he starts this fight out against Ryan Spann with jumping knees, jumping kicks, and, and goes right out of the gate with those, he's going to get caught and get knocked out. But if he plays patient and hops in and out of range, hops in and out of range, kind of like a Michelle Pereira, a little bit like that because they have similar styles on the feet, and then he kind of fakes and feints and finds a way to land those shots, whether it's flying knees, whether it's spinning back fists, whether it's overhands, uppercuts. He's got good elbows in the clinch. You've seen that against uh, Khalil Roundtree. He'll push into you, land good elbows if he gets him up against the fence. I wouldn't... It I wouldn't recommend Johnny Walker get into clinching exchanges with Ryan Spann because Spann has more power and he's the stronger guy. Um, but I'm going to go with, ooh, this is such a tough fight. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick the uh, pick the upset here. It's not really an upset, I don't think, but I'm going to go with Johnny Walker. I think he's going to find a way to uh, get the win. 
I think he's going to come out rejuvenated. And it's hard to pick him because we don't know. You know, he didn't show up in his last fight against Misha or, or uh, Nikita Krylov. He got out-grinded, out-grappled, and just really didn't have anything to offer him. His takedown defense, like I said, held up in the beginning. But the longer the fight went, you know, it just dwindled and dwindled and dwindled and he got out grinded. But I expect this fight to take place on the feet. He's going to have to be patient. He's going to have to not, he's going to have to obviously fight loose, you know, fight in his normal style, move in and out, slip shots. Um, but don't get cocky like he did against Corey Anderson and keep your hands down and stick your tongue out. Cause if you do that, Ryan Spann's going to catch you. Now, even though I just said that, and I'm kind of contradicting what I just said, I think Ryan Spann is so patient on the feet that even if he keeps his hands down and tries to play that game, I don't expect Ryan Spann to play into it. So based on that that factor, I think that Johnny Walker can kind of try to pick apart um, Ryan Spann. You know, keep him at range, pop him with the jab, pop him with the jab, one, two, kick, flying knee, flying knee, elbows, and keep him away. Play at range, dance around a little bit. Take a, take a page out of Michelle Pareda's book. I think if he plays like that, it's not going to be the same because they obviously don't fight the same. I think that Michelle Pareda is a better striker. I think he's better everywhere. He's better everywhere than Johnny Walker, but I do think Johnny Walker gets the win here. I think he's got more tools in his toolbox. I think he's going to come out and going to just use the patience of Ryan Spann against him and avoid a lot of the power shots. It's dangerous. If he gets hit by Ryan Spann, he can get caught and knocked out. But I'm going to go with Johnny Walker to get the win, and I'm going to go with a, I'm going to go with the third-round TKO for Johnny Walker to get back into the win column. All right, up next, one of the fights we talked about before in the middleweight division, you've got Hamzat. Boris Chamaev, who holds a record of eight wins and no defeats, undefeated in mixed martial arts, going up against Gerald GM3 Mearshart, who holds a record of 31 wins and 13 defeats. Ooh, this is a tough fight. This is a tough fight for both guys. Really tough fight for Gerald Mearshart because of the heavy grappling style of Hamzat Chamaev. But also equally as tough for Hamzat because this is the toughest guy he's fought and the most experienced guy he's fought. Like I said, you know, Gerald Mearshart has 44 fights. Kamzat Chemaev only has eight professional fights. That's a huge difference. And it could be, you know, a problem for both guys. I think I think that Hamzat definitely, if he gets him on the ground, he's going to outgrapple Gerald Mearshart. I know Mearshart's good at scrambling. He's good at trying to lock up submissions. Good at getting the neck and trying to get a rear naked choke. Good at trying to get a guillotine choke. Um, really good scrambles, and he stays patient on the ground. Being patient against Hamzat Chemaev could play a big factor, but if he gets you down, locks you up in that Dagestani handcuff where he has you down and he gets a control of one of your wrists, breaks your base and just constantly pounds you with that other hand and constantly readjust, breaks your base, readjust, breaks your base, readjust, breaks your base, and just keeps on pounding you. He's got some of the most vicious ground and pound in the sport. I would only compare him and Habib Nurmagomedov. Like, that's honestly how I think of it. He's that powerful on the ground. Um, against, let's see, um, do I have the stats for this fight? Hamzat Chemaev MMA stats. Let's see if I can find it. Bryce McGee. It's not going to give them to me, huh? Okay. Well, either way, I believe like in his last two fights, he went like 130-something strikes to like taking two or three shots. I think it was like 140-something strikes landed to only like three shots taken, three punches taken. 
Because he's just coming in, he'll he'll throw a kick and immediately transition to a double leg. Throw a kick, immediately transition to a double leg. Get the body lock, take you down, trip you out. And when he gets you on all fours, he's going to lock up in that referee's position, break your base with that Dagestani handcuff where he controls one of your wrists and breaks your posture and just constantly pound you. When you go to get up, he's going to hit you. When you go to get up, he's going to break you back down, break you back down. And I think Mearshart can last a long time. I don't expect him to get finished immediately. He is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Hamza Chimaev is only a blue belt. But, you know, and we've, we've seen with these Dagestani guys and these guys who come out of Russia, like, they're just a different breed of grappler. And I think Mirshard has the weapons to beat him. I think if he can drag it past the second round, he can tire out Hamzat and uh, put the pace and pressure on him. Um, Hamzat, or uh, Gerald Mirshard has a very, very good left body kick. We've seen him finish guys with that many times before. Um... And he's good on the ground, but he's not as good as Hamzat Chemaev, I think. I just think Hamzat's grappling game and his top pressure is too much. Um, I think he's going to take him down. I think Gerald Mearshart will get up in the first round and just get taken down again, get up, get taken down again. And I think uh, it's going to get to the second round. The grappling's going to be too much. The top pressure and the pace of Chemaev's going to be too much. And he's going to break him down. Um, and just get a TKO with ground and pound. I think he gets, like I said, that back control up against the fence, locks it down where he has control of the one leg in like a half guard position, but from the back, gets that handcuff position. Dagestani handcuff controls the wrist and just beats him until the ref stops the fight. So I'm going to go with Hamzat Chamayev to defeat Gerald Mearshart via a second round TKO. All right, guys, let's get to the co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We've got longtime MMA competitor, the BMF. Honestly, in my opinion, he obviously owns the BMF ranch, but uh, that's Donald Cowboy Cerrone, um, multiple uh, lightweight and welterweight division competitor, competed in the WEC, competed in the UFC. He's been around the block. He's coming off four Back-to-back-to-back-to-back losses. But you look at the guys he lost to, you know, that Anthony Pettis fight at UFC 249, I honestly thought his wrestling and his grappling edged out Pettis in that fight, and he landed that vicious head kick that stunned Anthony Pettis. Pettis did well, but I thought that Cerrone did enough to win that fight. Um, But obviously the judges gave it to uh, Anthony Pettis, so you can't fault the judges for their decision. Um, You know, obviously, like I said, he's coming off losses. He's lost to... Tony Ferguson lost to Justin Gaethje, lost to Conor McGregor, lost to Anthony Pettis. So he's been coming off losses, and it's four back-to-back-to-back-to-back losses for Cerrone. This is a must-win for Donald Cerrone, but he's going up against a competitor in Nico Price, Nico the Hybrid Price, who is a dangerous guy and who is probably one of the most dangerous guys he could fight and it's, there's not that big of a, of a win for Cowboy in this situation. Cowboy wins this fight. He was expected to win this. Nico Price wins this fight. It's a big name on his resume, and it vaults him up in that welterweight division. It probably puts him at 13 or 14 ranked in that division, and he's not even in the top 15 right now. Um, I think that the UFC is looking at this as a fight that Cowboy should win. This is a fight that Cerrone... It should be better. He's better everywhere the fight takes place. Better in the striking game. Better in the grappling, in the wrestling, in the jujitsu. Better in the clinch. They're expecting him to be better everywhere the fight goes. And I do believe he's better technically everywhere than Nico Price. But the problem with a guy like Nico Price 
is he is wild, dangerous, and can finish a fight from anywhere. You could have him on his back. He can upkick you, knock you out. You could be in a half guard on his, and he have him on his back. He can elbow you and hammer fist you and find a way to knock you out. He can get on the feet and be almost knocked out and find a way to slip a shot and come back and catch you. He's very, very big, and he's got a very big build for that 170-pound division, a really tall guy, big, thick back, and thick shoulders. He's got a lot of power. He's rangy, and he's tall. Does he have clean striking? No, he's wild. It's not clean. Cowboy's the better striker, technically. Um, I do believe that Cerrone can win this fight in multiple areas. The problem with Nico Price is he definitely gets drawn into brawls. Now, against Cerrone, that could be a problem because Cerrone doesn't like pressure. If you pressure Donald Cowboy Cerrone, usually you're going to win because he almost usually always wilts under the pressure. He didn't do it against Robbie Lawler. Um, he did it against Conor McGregor. You know, he got hurt with that shoulder strike and then got, you know, kicked in the head and finished. But against certain guys, he can handle the pressure. But if I'm Nico Price, I'm coming out and I'm looking to, to beat him up right away. I'm pushing forward. I'm going in with punches, hooks, front kicks, roundhouse kicks to the head, dropping left hands in, right hooks, jab, right hand, overhands, knees to the body. I'm just pushing Cerrone back immediately. If you play at range and try to play a patient striking game against Cowboy, Cowboy's going to piece up Nico Price. Um, I do believe that if Cowboy tries to go for long combinations, Nico Price can catch him with a counter, drop him, and hurt him. Like I said, he's got a lot of power, and he can land shots from anywhere. Um, he landed a good front kick against Vicente Luque. Like I said, he'll come in with back fist to a front kick, to a side kick, to an elbow, to an up elbow, to elbows in the clinch, to knees, to a crescent kick. He'll throw every kind of strike that there is, and he doesn't really give a fuck. This is a fight where Cowboy is fighting a guy who doesn't give a shit if he wins or loses. Obviously, he doesn't want to lose, but he puts his body on the line every time. He goes out on his shield. I honestly think this fight plays out very similar to the Yancey Medeiros and Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight. I think Cowboy's going to get hurt a few times in the fight. I think Nico's going to push forward, but I think his over-aggressiveness against Cowboy is going to leave him open. I think Cowboy is going to be in the pocket with Nico Price and uh, land a clean combination, drop him. I think he jumps on him on the ground, um, takes his back, gets the rear naked choke, and gets the submission. I think his jujitsu and his wrestling are way better, leaps and bounds better than Nico Price. I think he can use that um, shot to a double leg and then land that outside trip, trip the leg out. I think he can go for a body lock and land that outside trip on the lead leg and pull him down and get his back. I think that Cowboy's going to resort to wrestling in this fight early, but I also think he's going to catch Nico on the feet because Nico is just too open and too wild. And I think Cowboy's going to catch him. It's a big ask because, you know, Cowboy's on a rough patch right now, four losses in a row. Um, it's a must win for Cowboy. I think if he loses this fight, I don't expect the UFC to be eager to give him any more fights. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Cowboy gets it done. I think he finds a way to drop Nico Price on the feet, whether it's with a high kick. I think the high kicks could be a problem for Nico for sure. Um, but I think he finds a way to catch him in the middle of his combination, drop him with a right hand, jump on him on the ground, take his back, get the hooks in, get the choke, and get the submission. I'm going to go with Donald Cowboy Cerrone to defeat Nico Price via a second-round submission. And then in the main event of the evening, the fight everybody's been waiting for, but we've already explained that. Um, the number two-ranked Colby Chaos Covington, um, former interim welterweight champion coming off a loss to the welterweight champion Kamaru Usman at UFC 245, going up against former multiple-time defending 
um, UFC uh, welterweight champion. Tyron, the chosen one, Woodley. He's coming off a loss to Usman and Burns, and Usman and Burns are probably going to be fighting next at UFC 256. Um, phenomenal fight, phenomenal fight. Definitely the fight to make for both guys. Um, if there was any fight you were going to give Colby besides a title shot, and it wasn't going to be um, Jorge Masvidal, then it would it had to be Tyron Woodley. There's no other. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It had to be Woodley versus Covington. This fight has been teased, said it was booked multiple times, and then they didn't sign the contract. Oh, it's happening. Woodley didn't sign the contract. Then Woodley would come out and say, oh, well, Colby didn't sign the contract. So it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all the time. Um, here's what I think about this fight. Colby Covington has more advantages. Obviously, Covington's a southpaw. He's talked in an interview and said that he's he's actually gotten very good from his orthodox stance, and he believes he is a natural orthodox fighter. But he's going to be fighting in southpaw in this fight. And the main counter to a southpaw fighter against an orthodox fighter is that right hand down the middle. And nobody has a better right hand in that 170-pound division than Tyron Woodley. But here's the problem. Woodley has had many, many issues letting his strikes go. He kind of, he plays back, lays back, stays patient, and doesn't let his hands go, doesn't let his wrestling go. And he eventually just get over, gets overpaced, overpressured, just pushed back, um, grind it out, and just stops, just loses the fight because he can't let it go. He can't let it go. Um, got dropped against Gilbert Burns, and once he got dropped, that was it. You know, he was just out of the fight. He didn't do anything. He was just moving around. He got out grappled, out wrestled, um, out struck and just got dominated against Usman. He didn't do much of anything either. I believe he landed one good overhand, right? As, um, Usman tried to come in and close the distance, but he kind of, it brushed off the, off his head and it didn't really land. But here's the thing. If, if Woodley wants to win this fight, I think he has to take an approach from the Darren Till fight and he has to take an approach from the Josh Koscheck fight. Woodley needs to come out light on the feet and immediately close the distance on Covington. But but use fakes and feints to get there. What did he do against Robbie Lawler? Fake a jab, fake a right hand, fake a jab, double jab, boom, landed the right hand. Fake, 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 bop. I think if he fakes against Covington, Covington doesn't keep his hands up in a traditional high guard. He doesn't use his guard and block and slip shots. He uses his his uh, southpaw stance, and he kind of covers with like a lead shoulder roll and pulls away from the shots and pulls back, pulls back and jabs, pulls back, jab one, one, two, right hook, right uppercut, pop, 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 rap, boom. Um, Colby has good kicks. I expect him to try to resort to kicks, but he's going to have to watch out for the counter right hand of Woodley as he throws those kicks. Um, if Covington gets Woodley on the back foot immediately, then Covington's going to win this fight. I, I honestly truly believe that. If Woodley is going to win this fight, he needs to knock out Colby Covington in the first two rounds. And here's how he does it. He pushes forward, fakes and feints, comes out immediately with fakes and feints, gets him to bite, and tries to explode. There was a point in a fight, I believe it was Woodley against, was it Jay Huron, where he shuffle-stepped in, like came in to close the distance, Shuffle step, switched his feet, switched back to orthodox, and landed the overhand right. I think the shuffle step, switching his stance, and using that explosiveness to come in and close the distance is going to be a big factor for Woodley. I also think 
low kicks can be a big factor for Woodley, but he's going to have to set him up because if you don't set up low kicks and you throw an empty kick against Colby, he's going to catch it, hike it up, take you down, get to your back, and just immediately start grinding you with the wrestling. If he gets Woodley up against the cage, that's going to be it. That's going to be it. Woodley's going to get tired. He's going to push him up against the fence. He's going to immediately try to shoot takedowns and, and transition from doubles to singles to body locks to, to, to outside trips to controlling on the ground to going for submissions. And if he's, if he gets the pace and pressure on Woodley immediately, it's going to just be too much for him. And if Woodley stays back, pop, 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 jab, 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 right hand, left hook, uppercut, jab, left hook, lead uppercut, jab, jab, right hand, right high kick, jab, uppercut, left low kick, pop, pop, pop. If he does that, it's going to be very similar to the Robbie Lawler fight. Um, but if I'm Woodley, yes, there's, there's ways for him to win. There's ways for him to win, and he's not going to be easy for Covington to take down, but I do believe Covington's going to have the wrestling advantage and will be able to out-wrestle and out-grapple and out-grind um, Tyron Woodley. I do believe that. But like I said, for Woodley, take an approach from the Kozchek fight and take an approach from the Darren Till fight. You want to come in, you want to fake and faint immediately out of the gate, fake and faint, and try to land that right hand. Fake and faint, fake the right hand, jab, right hand. Fake, 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 bop. Try to land it. Don't go crazy because if you go crazy and overextend, Covington's going to come underneath, um, sh shoot a double, transition to the back, get the body lock, take you down, go for submissions, and try to beat you up on the ground. And it's going to get Woodley tired because he's a big, thick guy with a lot of muscle mass. If you wrestle and you get a lot of blood and a lot of oxygen into those muscles, they're going to get tired and it's going to just wear out Woodley. Woodley's got two rounds to win this fight. After the second round, Covington dominates from the third to the fifth and probably gets a finish. But like I said, Woodley's got a chance. Set up those low kicks on the inside leg of Colby Covington. Jab to an inside low kick and chop. Jab inside low kick. Fake and faint. Fake the uppercut to the right hand. Because Woodley, you saw against Usman, Covington kept getting caught with that straight right hand. If it's an overhand, it's going to be harder for Covington to get caught because he can slip underneath or roll underneath the overhand and try to shoot a double and take him down. But if Woodley throws that straight right hand and uses fakes and feints and good footwork to get there, he can catch Covington. If he catches Covington on the chin with the right hand, he can knock him out. I think it's a big possibility that Woodley knocks him out in the first two rounds. But if I have to go with a prediction and a final prediction, I'm going to go with Colby Chaos Covington. I think he's going to immediately push back Woodley. I think he's going to find a way to get him up against the cage. And once you get Woodley up against the cage, he's good, but he rests and he plays the patience game too much. I think it was a it was a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson syndrome. Once he fought the Wonderboy fights, he got used to playing a point fighting type of style of fight where he doesn't throw a lot. He, he defends, he waits, he fakes and faints, fakes and faints, and then explodes with one shot. You can't wait to explode with one shot on Colby Covington. You have to go in there and you have to try to knock him out. You have to let it go. If Woodley's going to win, he has to let the, the punches go and the kicks go in that first round and try to knock him out. Like I said, use the fakes and feints. Explosion. He has really good explosion to move in and close range very quickly. So fake and feint, get Covington to kind of bite on one of the fakes and then land the right hand. Fake the uppercut, land the right hand. Fake the right hand, get Woodley to, uh, Covington to shoot and throw the uppercut. That's how Woodley's going to win this fight. However, I don't see that happening. I'm picking Colby Chaos Covington to get the win via a fourth round TKO. I think the first round will be interesting, but I think if I think Woodley doesn't land that shot, I think Covington eventually his pace and pressure he does not get tired. Colby's never going to get tired. 
He's going to constantly be pop, 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 boom, pop, 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 boom, takedown, break the takedown, uppercut, go to takedown, break it, uppercut, hook, hook, uppercut, hook, jab, pop, 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 kick, inside, outside, lead high kick, rear high kick, front push kick, and he's just going to overwhelm and and make Tyron Woodley wither away. Um, like I said, I think first round is close. I think second round might be close, but I think Covington just picks it up. Um, gets Woodley down immediately over and over and over again, controls him on the ground, takedowns, pop, 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 gets him tired. And I think he gets a TKO on the feet against Woodley. I think the takedowns wither him away. I think he gets him up against the fence, pop, 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 pop. Like I said, just constant volume pressure, pop, 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 pop. There was a point where, uh, Usman almost knocked out. Woodley in their fight when he hurt him up against the fence and Woodley was kind of barely just covering up enough to not get finished. But I think that that exchange in the Usman fight where he almost got finished up against the fence, I think Covington plays it a little bit more safe, a little more calm, uses that jab, pop, 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 uppercut, hook, jab, 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 hook, uppercut, one, two, two, three, one, 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 uppercut, hook, and uh, finishes him on the feet via fourth round TKO. So my official prediction for this fight is Colby Chaos Covington to get the win over Tyron Woodley via a fourth round TKO. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I will have a more another episode out this week. We're back on the grind. You might get three episodes um, this week. I'll probably try to do one tomorrow. If I can't, I'll have one or two or three up next week just to get back into the swing of things. I'm glad I'm back, guys. The Double M in the Touch Em Up podcast is motherfucking back, baby. And uh, we're coming to take everything that we've been trying to take this whole time. Um, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you to all my friends, family, and fans who listen to this podcast every week. Um, I, I, obviously, the Touch Em Up podcast is available anywhere audio podcasts are distributed. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and many, many more. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Double M, and I'm out. Have a good night, everybody, all right?